You're listening to the GNU World Order. This is episode 355. It's time to look at Inscript and a couple of other packages from the Slackware AP software set. This is for Slackware Linux. If you're not running Slackware, that's okay. You probably have access to these commands that we're going to cover today uh, through your software repository, or they may already be installed. Some of them might already be there. So we'll, we'll start with InScript, and InScript is a PDF, or a, I should say PostScript generator, or converter, I guess. So InScript, according to the man page, converts text files to PostScript or to other output languages. InScript can spool the generated output directly to a specified printer or leave it in a file. If you don't give an input file, then uh, InScript processes from standard input, which of course is useful for piping things to to InScript. So uh, yeah, it's pretty straightforward, I guess. I mean, there's a bunch of options, um, but they're pretty specific to layout. So I don't think I'm going to go over all of the different options. They're not quite that interesting, but I'll give you kind of a a sense for how it works. So I'll just go into this demo directory that I keep around, and it looks like I've got a test.cpp file. So that's got text in it. So if I do inscript, that's E-N-S-C-R-I-P-T, and then test.cpp, it sends a postscript file to to my printer. Now right now I don't have a printer connected, and, and we know how we can go and intercept that job anyway through cups, because I covered that in a previous episode. Um, but that's the default action, is it takes a, a plain text file, wraps it into, or, or converts it into PostScript, which is the lingua franca for modern printers, and, and spools that thing for printing. So that's pretty handy. Uh, that would obviously spool it for your default printer, which uh, would, would probably be set to your you know, by, by cups, and if not, you you know how to do that with LP admin and so on. If you need to send it to a different spool, you can specify a different spool file with the dash D, that's dash delta, lowercase d, and, and then you name the spool that you want to send it to. If you don't want to do either of those things, you can, as, as the man page said, you can just save the output to a file, and that is the dash O option, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can also do a dash dash output. Yes, you can. Okay, cool. So inscript, E-N-S-C-R-I-P-T, space, test.cpp, in this case it would be example.txt, whatever, uh, and then dash dash output, test.ps. It says one page, one copy, left in test.ps. So if I do a less on test.ps, I should see postscript data, and that is exactly what I see. ps-adobe-3.0, bounding box, it gives me some numbers, inscript output for me, my username, Clatu uh, creator, GNU inscript 1.6.6, and so on. It tells me a bunch of sort of options and, and um, uh, profile options that, I, that has been set by default by inscript. And that's kind of what that's, that leaves us with a bunch of options from InScript. And they, they tend to be fairly similar in spirit. So for instance, if you can imagine something with, with, you know, with normal printer options, so for instance, dash B for, or, or dash dash header uh, to define a header file, uh, 
or a, um, a header string. Dash n, I think it is, uh, lowercase n for dash, uh, no, it must have been a different, so dash n is actually number of copies, so dash dash copies. There's another one, here it is. Oh, it's dash capital M, as in media, dash dash media. So uh, that that sets what paper type you want. So if you're not using letter, then you might want to do that. For instance, you could do inscript test.cpp dash dash media a4 dash dash output test ps. And then if we look at test.ps with less, uh, we'll see that the orientation is uh, portrait, page size is A4, document media, A4, 595 by 842. That's pretty much all there is to say about InScript, to be honest. I mean, it's uh, it's a very useful command, I imagine, for people needing to generate PostScript, and it is a really handy thing to know about. I remember back in, back in um, Pittsburgh, I was doing a lot of conversion of plain text to printing, and I would find that, where I found that there was a, a really great little, I think it was literally a public domain software. It was it was licensed public domain. It was one of those quirky ones. And um, it was text to PDF or something like that. It was a useful command. It was, I mean, a little application. It was written by someone. I, I believe he just maintained the source code on his blog, if I recall correctly. It was just some university professor or something had this great little C application that he kept updated on the blog site in which where he originally posted it uh, and I found it somehow and and I used to use it quite often and I, you know it was funny because I'm I'm finding now all of these little postscript converters a dime a dozen on Slackware pre-installed and I just never really knew about them so that's in script so the next one in the list here is flack Flack, um, I, I can't quite say enough nice things about Flack. Flack is a lossless compressed audio codec. What that means practically, on a practical level, is, for instance, I'm in my demo folder here, and I've got an, I've got a file that I will call test.wave. And I'll do an ls-lh on that on that directory, and it looks like this uh, test.wave file is 6.3 megabytes. It's a short short file, obviously. In fact, I can do media info test.wave and get some information about it. That's 37 seconds and 16 milliseconds of audio. It is two channels, so it's a stereo file. It's 44.1 kilohertz. Uh, 44.1 kilohertz, that's 44,100 44, hertz, 16 bits, and, and the stream size is 6.23 megabytes. Now to convert that to FLAC, I can just do FLAC, dot, or, uh, FLAC rather, space test.wave. It quickly converts it because it is a small file. It gives me a little warning here uh, that it's checking, it's skipping rather, a chunk called list because it doesn't know what to do with list. I could preserve that with a dash dash keep dash foreign dash metadata, but I don't care about the metadata. That's not what I'm really interested in here in this case. So I'm going to do an ls dash lh again, and the test.flack of the same thing is 2.5 megabytes, and I can do media info on 
that file and I'll discover the same kinds of stuff, same information. It is 16 bits, 44.1 kilohertz, but it's only 2.40 megabytes. It's 37 seconds again, 16 milliseconds, so it's it's all there. It's just um, it's just smaller, and that's really really nice because a lot of times you don't need whatever you get with a WAV file. Now there's an exception, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, the notable differences here, uh, aside from the things that I've just listed, the the one of the big deals here is the overall bitrate mode is variable rather than constant. Constant bitrate means that a file is streaming data to you at a at a at a constant bitrate no matter what it's streaming. So if it's something very complex, then it gets this amount of bandwidth. If it is something very simple like silence or something very very simplistic like a, a simple tone, it's still getting the same bandwidth or this the same rate of transmission of data. With FLAC, it's a variable bitrate, meaning that it can adjust intelligently for how it's delivering the media to you. Rather than forcing 1,411 kilobits per second, it can drop down to something like 547 kilobits per second for for simple data or or whatever. I'm making I'm slightly making up some numbers here, but you get you I think you probably get the idea. And the reason one of the reasons that it can do this is because FLAC has the ability to to do variable uh, bitrate encoding. Now there are also some shortcuts that FLAC can take. You know, with anything that's compressing data, you, you kind of have, probably have a general sense of how it works. I think we all kind of do. You know, if there's obvious duplicates, uh, duplication of of information that can be that can be abbreviated with some kind of shorthand, then then it's able to do that. The important thing is here that that FLAC doesn't lose quality. It, it does not sacrifice quality for the space savings. Now, that's why if we do an AUG encoding of test.wave at quality, I don't know, let's do quality 3, then the end result of the AUG encoding of this originally is a 6.3 megabyte test.wave goes down to 466 kilobytes. And certainly we would get um, a different story with with what we saw here. So we've got a, a overall bitrate of 103 kilobytes per second, kilobits per second. We have overall bitrate mode uh, again variable. That's good. That's nice. Two channels, uh, same same sample rate, but the the overall uh, the compression of it has has been you know it's it's actually been compressed. It is it is lossy. It's not lossless. Meaning that you've sacrificed some, some, some frequencies here and there. You've you've sacrificed some clarity, probably. Uh, whether you notice or not is a completely different question. But, but, with AUG, you are losing information that you'll never be able to restore. Whereas with FLAC, you're just compressing that information into a more efficient storage container. And with Wave, you're not compressing. You're just getting you're getting the same thing that you got in the FLAC. It's just not compressed. It's not put into a small container. It's put into a large container. 
functionally there is no difference between uh, I meant I meant functionally for you as a human uh, there there's no difference between flack and wave you, you're getting the same information it's just how you're storing it is different and the exception that I mentioned earlier is that sometimes the the process that you are that you're performing doesn't know what to do with a compressed sound file even if it's lossless it just doesn't know what to do with a a non a a, a non I was going to say non-uncompressed, but yeah, it doesn't know what to do with FLAC, essentially. Now, it could be just as simple as, hey, I don't know what a FLAC file is, or it could be that it can't work with, with something that's compressed. And this is a principle that a lot of people don't quite understand. There's a lot of mythos about this, that, that a lot of it is incorrect. But a lot of people think, because of some tools out there that hide that hide what's really going on from the user, uh, a lot of people think that there are applications out there that can just kind of magically operate on, on compressed data. And that's very frequently not the case. Um, compression, working on something that is compressed in, in real time is, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it never happens, but at some point, that compression needs to get expanded out. It needs to get sort of exploded, right? It, you, you can't take something that's encoded and work on it without being able to first decode what has been uh, encoded. You, you need to be working on the, on the real thing. Uh, there, there may be some exceptions, but generally speaking... When you load something that has been compressed into some kind of editor, whether it is a, a text file that you've encrypted with GPG, or whether it is a, an audio file that you've, in, that you've uh, encoded or compressed as an AUG or a FLAC, when it's getting, or, or a video file that you've, you've encoded as some kind of, you know, an MP4 or something like that, when you load it into the editor that you are using to manipulate that data, you are now viewing, you are now working with that data in, in its raw form, in its, in its uncompressed form. And that's why, uh, you can, take something that's only six megabytes and load it into uh, a, a, an editor, an audio editor, and you look at your uh, actual memory usage and it's a lot more than 6.5 megabytes. And I think a lot of people just kind of, well, a lot of people don't look, don't they don't bother thinking about how that has to work. But um, a lot of people attribute that to just sort of, well, the application itself takes up a lot of memory. Well, that's probably sometimes somewhat true but but generally speaking what's happening is that the your workspace the thing that you are working on that you're operating on is getting loaded into your random access memory because that's how computers work and and it's getting blown up it's getting exploded out and taking up a lot more room than when you had it all packed up in one tidy little container happens all the time it happens with whether you're doing audio video like I say, in encrypted text, you, you, you generally, unless you are really good at encryption and you know how to just edit things through their encoded uh, equivalent, the thing is getting decoded in order for you, the human, to operate on it.
and and it's difficult for some people to understand or even believe that because they see applications uh, from a very high level and to them when they when they double clicked on that file and it opened up in that editor and there was no mention of it being converted and there's no mention of it requiring conversion so to them it, it just it seems like what has happened is you're you're editing that file they don't they don't see the intermediary step of that file getting uh, decoded by some codec operation and then loaded into the thing and there's a temp file somewhere that they'll never be aware of and so on so it is very difficult to convince people i've i've had arguments with people about that very thing about how where where their data is stored and what what resource their system is using in order to process that data and and I've definitely had people not believe me uh, when I tell them that that is a RAM intensive process so flack the command is um, is it's a it's a tool for encoding and decoding and even uh, analyzing a flack stream and when I say a flack stream I just mean a, a file that is encoded that that it that ends in dot flack probably uh, and is um, although it could be a dot og to be honest or dot oga the, these are the the, the ogs the the vorbis uh, format og for for audio is a derivative of flack so flack the command is the thing that generates a flack file it can also decode a FLAC file, it can analyze a FLAC file, and so on. Generally, when people are talking about audio files, they also very frequently call them an audio stream or a video stream or whatever. You know, a file is also a stream because you know that once you sort of invoke that file in the way that it is generally expected to be processed, it is a stream of data that needs to happen over some span of time. And so it's, it's a data stream. So let's go back here to my test file. Here's a test flack file. So what, we'll, what, what we can do is we can do a um, flack dash dash decode test.flack. Now, you remember to generate this flack file, we just did flack and then test.wave or whatever. Um, in this case, we can we can sort of extract it again with the flat command and the dash dash decode option. So I'll do, well actually, before I do that, I'm going to move test.wave to test.wave-orig. So now I know that that's the original file. And I'll do a flack dash dash decode test.flack. It quickly processes it. I'll do an ls-lh in the current directory and now I have my test.flack file, which is 2.5 megabytes, and I also have a test.wave file, which is 6.3 megabytes. Now I also have my test.wave-orig because I just I didn't want to clobber it, so I wanted to see that something had been generated, and it has been. So flack, as you can see, is a little bit, in a, in a sense, kind of like a, a zip or a tar uh, command because it can it can take your wave and cram it into a flack container that is now smaller. You can also just expand it into a wave. So 
there's rarely a reason I have come to find, um, and I didn't know this for the longest of times, um, but there's no reason really to convert something from a flack to a wave. You can always just unflack the flack file if you need to, which again, sometimes you do need to for whatever reason, whether it's because uh, an audio editor of your of your choosing doesn't play flack, or an audio player doesn't play flack, or a um, a command doesn't recognize flack as input, and that's that's what I've come up against a couple of times. Other than that, though, I I, I can't think of a good reason not to use flack over, for instance, wave. There's just no there's no good reason for it, generally speaking. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously, because I just said some things don't understand flack, but if if you have the option, flack is the is the obvious answer. Uh, and pretty much any time, I mean, I, I do it so often, I should probably just make a cron job of it. I if if I have a wave file hanging out in my home directory, uh, unless unless I didn't generate it myself or didn't download it myself or whatever, uh, I pretty much convert it to flack. There's just no good reason not to really. Um, the, the the exception there are files, obviously, that, that I have not generated myself, because uh, some audio editors uh, generate, or lots of different editors really, generate WAV files as their default storage format, so I, I don't tend to convert those if they're assets, if they're parts of, of, of a project that, that something else is managing. Obviously, I wouldn't want to just go and, and convert it myself without the program being aware of it. The flack command is also, uh, or, or being an encoder, flack, the flack program has some metadata options as well. So you can do things like dash dash picture equals, and then you can store a, you, you can store a, a picture along with the flack file, that sort of metadata. You've got a lot of other, um, a lot of other things as well. You can define what kind of type the picture is, for instance, it could be a um, it can be the front cover, which is type three, the back cover, type four, a leaflet page, type five, and so on. So you can really kind of cram a bunch of stuff into a um, into a into a FLAC file if you want, or if you just need a, a rather obvious steganography exercise, that would be one way to do it. Oh, right, and I forgot I forgot what I was. I was doing before. So if you do, for instance, so we've got this test.wave, test.wave-orig, right? Uh, one was the original text um, test file that we had, and the other was the one that we unflacked. So if we do an md5sum, for instance, of test.wave, test.wave-orig, believe it or not, they're the same. So that's uh, the 003ef blah 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 ebf so they're they're entirely the same i'm looking at them on my screen right now so that means that when you flack when you inflacify uh, a file and then unflacify it you have the same the literally the same file again and that that if if that's not a display of of lossless compression i don't know what is now obviously the same would not be true if we were to look at, for instance, the MD5 sum of test.og and test.wave-orig, completely different MD5 sums, and there's not really a way to 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 make that 
be different. Uh, we could try to, for instance, flack dash dash decode test dot aug, uh, and that doesn't work. That does not that doesn't function. Now there is a way to kind of mix together aug and flack. So you can um, oh wait yeah got error got error stream decoder error status last sync so does does not work to unflackify an, a, a straight aug. Now you can a little bit mix flack and aug. So we could do test dot uh, test dash ridge or rather flack test dot wave dash ridge space test dot oga not space sorry space dash o test dot oga and that seems to work so if we do a um, let's do a file on test dot oga and it tells us that it is a flac audio bitstream data 16 bit stereo 44.1 kilohertz 1632411 samples. It doesn't actually mention that it is an AUG, but it is an AUG. I mean, to to an audio player. In fact, in fact, we can even test it with AUG123, which is an audio player that ships with Slackware. Uh, I think it is. Um, I mean, I know it's uh, I know it's a a player. I think it ships with Slackware. Maybe I installed it separately. Either way, AUG123. It'll play AUG files, right? So test.oga, and then it plays the audio file. So that is um, an AUG container contain that which contains a FLAC data stream. Now you can also adjust uh, the way FLAC compresses the audio, and this isn't—it's it, a little bit difficult to describe this one, and it, it would—it—it's it, gonna—it takes messing around with with the specific audio file that you're trying to compress and I've, I've not done this a whole lot because I rarely need this kind of level of control uh, when when taking a wave file and converting it to flac the process of just converting it to flac is generally speaking quite enough for me that that is all I generally need the the savings in storage space is just it speaks for itself and it is as you know it, it is good enough for me but you you can get in there and tweak little aspects of it with and it's still lossless you can do this without affecting the you know the the output of the decode which is really cool but it it's um it's it gives you a lot of control over it and the shorthand for it is just a dash and then a number 0 through 8 now you might think okay well 0 is compressed less and 8 is compressed more but that's actually not correct so Dash zero is uh, it denotes the fastest compression, so that saves CPU cycles, and then dash eight represents the highest compression, which implies more CPU cycles, um, but maybe possibly a lower file size, but not always. So, for instance, let's just take a look really quick. Um, well, decoded the the dash zero through dash eight shorthand is referring to the dash dash compression dash level dash and then whatever number so zero or eight or whatever the default is five and what that gives you is a, it's a, a flac with a dash l eight which is the um 
I forget what dash L stands for. This is the problem with short options. I've, I've said this before. Dash L8 is the ordering of some of the data. Um, dash B4096, dash M, dash R5. R5 being, again, the ordering of, of some kind of data. I don't remember exactly what kind. Um, and, and you'll see different values for those options depending on what what shorthand you're using. So for instance, compression level 0 is dash L0, dash B1152, dash R3. So um, in, in, in terms that we can kind of somewhat understand, we could say flac um, dash, let's just do dash 0 for instance, test.wave, and then we'll do a dash O for test. Oh no, it'll just put it out into flac anyway, so... Well, no, actually, you know what? Let's do test, and then we'll do dash o, uh, dash zero dot flac. That way we'll get a file that we can compare. So we'll do the same thing now with a dash eight compression. And that's test dash eight flac. And then finally, last but not least, we'll do one with the default of dash five, just for kicks. And then we'll do an ls dash lh. So here's the, here, here are the, the exciting results to that. Um, dash zero, provided or, or rendered a 2.8 megabyte file. Dash 5 is a 2.5 megabyte file, which uh, for the record is the same size as that .oga file that we created. And then 2.4 uh, megabyte is the test-8. So we did get the smaller file size with that highest compression rate, but uh, speaking from experience, that's not always the case. There's a little bit of wiggle room there with those compression levels. And I think this kind of speaks to what I'll kind of end all of this on, which is FLAC is an extremely flexible and uh, agile and dynamic, all of those kind of good words. It's, it's a format that really, really works well. And I should mention, too, it doesn't have to be a .wave. It could be a .aiff, for instance. It could be a .raw. It could be lots of different things, um, some of which I don't even know what they are, like dot rf64 don't know what that is um but yeah it's it's a very flexible little system so you can you can do your quick flack command which is generally what i do to be honest I, I very rarely adjust compression levels or anything like that you can even adjust replay uh, gain which does not render that that is a lossless process so you'd want to be careful there but you can wrap it in an aug uh, container as i demonstrated you can add metadata, you can do all kinds of things to this, and then you can decode it afterwards and end up, you know, unless you've done something destructive, end up with exactly the same file, which is quite, quite exciting. And I, I feel like it's a, um, it's a very kind of um, fluid and sort of smooth transition, you know, from one end of the spectrum being flack with with lossless compression to the other end which would be aug with lossy compression but the two speak each other's language so well they they integrate really nicely you can even put a flack into an aug container so that's kind of cool so there's it's a, it's a really nice integrated system i feel where as compared to for instance i don't know a wave and an mp3 or something that, that, that that's there's no real integration there right there's no those are just two separate entities entirely not that there needs to be integration i'm just saying it's kind of convenient 
that learning the lingo of flak also means that you learn some lingo of og and learning some or, or og vorbis and and learning the lingo of og vorbis you kind of start to learn the lingo of flak so it, it's kind of nice that you have a lot of shared um language and, and some shared algorithms there that that could help you kind of manage your files um nicely f within the same ecosystem and and that's just another little bonus little benefit to to flack okay next up is ghost script and i feel like that is big enough uh, a big enough of a command uh, of a system that i should really dedicate um more time than i have left to dedicate to it so i'm going to save that for the next episode 356 ghost script it's a big command there are lots of cool things you can do with it i've talked about it before on the show but i'm going to talk about it again and i'll talk about different angles of it because uh, there really is quite a lot that you can do with it it's a very cool very cool system to be aware of uh it, it's a little bit specialized i'll admit i mean not that many people necessarily need to edit postscript raw postscript and so on but but GhostScript makes it really fun and really easy and um at least as fun and easy as PostScript can be, which is not to say it's very fun at all. But that's what we'll talk about next time. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you then. Listening to the GNU World Order Ogcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. individualist, but they don't like individuals.